Welcome to Sure Foundation Lutheran Church's podcast channel. The following sermon was preached on February 4th, 2024 on the basis of 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 to 11. The Apostle Peter writes, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, tense music comes on and you are instantly aware of the seriousness of the situation. This is life or death here. What's going to happen? You don't know for sure, but based on scenes that you've seen before, you can probably guess. This is how it is when you are watching The Animal Planet, (laughs) which you probably don't watch that much. So allow me to paint the scene for you. A lion is on the hunt. He has spotted a pack of gazelles and he is slowly stalking them. They haven't seen him yet. He inches closer and closer. And when the time is just right, he lunges forward and begins this chase. Once the chase is on, the strategy is pretty simple. Isolate one of the gazelles from the pack. If he can do that, he has a good shot at feeding himself that afternoon. It's not just a picture that we get from the animal planet, but it's really the picture that Peter pulls us into in 1 Peter chapter 5 when he mentions the prowling, roaring lion, the devil. Now, Peter's writing this letter to Christians who are scattered in Asia Minor, what we would know as as modern-day Turkey. Uh, We can give all praise to God that the gospel has spread to this area. It started in Jerusalem and has made its way here. And perhaps a lot of the, the credits can go to the Apostle Paul for his church planning efforts that he brought the gospel to this area of the world. But We'd be foolish if we equated church planting today to church planting back then. Uh, Perhaps the only similarity is when Paul or or another person would show up to a a city, he would start gathering a group of people. But in the Roman Empire, they couldn't just buy land and build a building like we would do uh, because Christianity was illegal and heavily persecuted. In fact, many of the people that Peter is writing to have suffered just because they believe in Jesus as their Savior. So with that context in mind, it's interesting that the Holy Spirit, through Peter, would give these Christians an imperative. Because an imperative is a command, and typically we do not give commands to those who are suffering. In our culture, we see sufferers as victims, and we treat victims with extreme gentleness. We would be so hesitant to give them a command because we don't want to add to their burden, but what Peter is is identifying here is that even a sufferer has responsibilities. Even a sufferer um, should be thinking about how to suffer well. And so he says to them, humble yourselves. 
Now, if it wasn't strange enough to us already that, that Peter gives suffering Christians an imperative, Peter also tells them to humble themselves. The specific imperative is an interesting thing because we naturally think that suffering brings about a natural humbling. Uh, that it sorts of strip sort of strips away the things that you previously have put your hope and trust in. Uh, let me give you an example. If you have experienced a major financial reversal where you you have to shell out a ton of money really quickly and your savings account is drained, you may come to realize that you have put your hope and your trust in money. And when money is no longer something that you have in abundance, you have lost your source of hope or comfort or security. That's just one example of of the, the suffering doing the humbling naturally. So if there is a natural humbling that comes with suffering, then why does Peter, writing to suffering persecuted Christians, need to urge them to humble themselves? Well, let, let me paint you this picture. Uh, lately, we've been going through the book of Joshua and men's Bible study, and we're up to the story of Jericho. Now, you may remember Jericho. Jericho was a heavily fortified city. It had uh, one massive wall around the outside of it, uh, and, and some believe that there was actually two walls there. It was a fortress. Uh, but what we've learned is that uh, people that lived in Jericho didn't always live within the, the walls of the city. Uh, during times of peace and prosperity, they would spread out and they'd farm the land and they'd live in the, the, the vicinity there. But when there were threats, when there were, were people that were, were going to attack them, well, then they all piled into to the city of Jericho to protect themselves. When threats came, they turned inward. Suffering or persecution can cause a similar phenomenon in a sense. When you feel threatened or when you are suffering, you turn inward. Your focus goes to what you are facing and your solutions are the ones that you can drum up from within you. It's a natural reaction for sinful, self-centered flesh to turn inward, to rely on yourself. And the roaring lion, the devil, loves it. He wants you to isolate yourself from your Savior so that he can devour you. He will leverage your suffering or hardship to bring about your demise because he wants you to take your eyes off of Jesus and turn inward because uh, that turn inward can lead to outgrowths of pride, which are dangerous for the faith of a Christian. Outgrowths of pride can, can show up in a lot of different ways, even for the suffering Christian. But, but let's look at two main ones today. Number one, if you are suffering for being a follower of Christ, that turn inward could be pride for your own strength. You can become prideful at just how strong you are against temptation or suffering. You can feel pretty good about how you've handled those things and consider yourself to be very strong. So is that what Peter is addressing here when he says, humble yourselves? It's certainly an application, and, and if you examine your heart and find that to be the case for you, repent and turn to Jesus for forgiveness. However, the, the second outgrowth of pride is perhaps a little bit more common. When you face trouble or suffering or persecution or really any challenge, 
we turn inward, we, we wall up like Jericho, and we go about trying to fix things on our own. Which sometimes leads to, to actual fixing, but sometimes it leads us to not be prideful in how strong we are, but to, to despair of our own strength. I take the financial reversal example that I used before. Uh, where do you go first when something like that happens? Do you immediately sit down with pen and paper and calculator and try to game out exactly how you'll get through? Do you open up the Amazon app and, and purchase the most recent self-help book that, that you can, so you can figure out what you're going to do next? Neither of those are inherently bad things. In fact, those are things that you might do at some point. But where is going to the Lord in prayer in that whole scenario? Is it the first thing you do? Or is that sort of the, the desperation move? When you've exhausted all other options, then you go to prayer to the Lord. You may not think much about your pride when you suffer, but if the first place that you turn is inward when you face trouble or suffering or persecution, that tells you something about your heart. And that is pride, pure and simple. Repent of it. You are not your own savior. That road leads to a false arrogance in yourself when you suffer well, or it leads to despair when you don't. Although verse 6 began with the imperative, humble yourselves, I want you to consider the rest of the verse. And I want you to consider the question, is this law or is it gospel? Now, just maybe for a little refresher, the the law... Uh, determining a law statement in scripture, um, you want to ask yourself a few questions. Is this telling you to do this or don't do that? Or is this laying out some sort of punishment? That's, that's typically a dead giveaway that this is a law statement. If it's gospel, it's here's what God has done for you. Here's the good news for you. Now, with that context, typically imperatives or commands fit pretty well within the law. Yet I want you to consider the whole phrase here. He says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. Now, perhaps in a law sense, we could hear under God's mighty hand as a phrase that reminds us of judgment. God's hand is so mighty that he could crush an unworthy sinner like me and he'd have every right to do so. However, throughout the rest of scripture, when that phrase is used, God's mighty hand, it's used to describe God delivering his people. For example, God's mighty hand delivered the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. And so for the believer, God's mighty hand is something we long for because God's mighty hand saves. It's the gospel. His mighty hand delivered you from sin, from death, and from the devil through Jesus and all that Jesus did. So when Peter says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time, he's essentially saying, quit trying to do things on, on your own. Your God loves you. He has delivered you from your greatest enemies. He can deliver you from whatever you're facing in that very moment. Just submit to him and trust him. Quit striving and rest in his power and peace under his mighty hand. Now, now, what does that look like in my life? 
Does that mean that those who humble themselves before the Lord will never have anxieties? And is anxiety a sign that I am not resting under God's mighty hand? Well, anxiety is an often talked about word these days, so maybe it's a good time for us to unpack that a little bit and unpack what Peter is saying in verse 7 when he says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And a good place to start would be to, to say, what is Peter not saying here? Because he doesn't say that you will be rid of all your anxieties. In fact, the, the passage kind of says the opposite. You will continue to face anxieties. He assumes on this verse that you will face anxieties. But the question is, when you face anxiety, where do you go first? Because there are a lot of good places to go. It is good to go to a friend or go to a family member and talk to them when, when you are anxious or have anxieties. It is good to, to seek the help of a counselor or a therapist or a psychiatrist or a doctor when you have anxieties. Those are good options for you. But the question is, where do you go first? And God is inviting you to come to him because his mighty hand delivers and because he cares for you. So go to God first and then go to friends and family and counselors and therapists and psychiatrists and doctors. But go to God first. Verses 6 and 7 are so vital to the rest of this section because God so deeply wants verses 6 and 7 for you. Because he knows the, the danger that the devil and his henchmen pose. You know, Luther once said that if you knew how many arrows were pointed at you uh, by your spiritual enemies at any given moment, you'd never cease to pray. And God in grace wants you to be aware of the danger. And he wants you to trust in him so that you are never isolated from him. When I vicared in Texas, I visited this wonderful lady named Christy. And Christy had suffered far more than your average person. Uh, not only was she physically blind and ailing in so many other ways, she was also severely abused in her past. Yet Christy had such an amazing faith and an amazing trust in her Savior, and she had an obvious love for the Word of God. I always remember Christy when I read this section because this section was her favorite. Because she had suffered, because she had anxieties, because she was aware of the prowling lion, but especially because of what Peter says to wrap up this section in verse 10. She would have me call her phone and, and leave a message on her answering machine reading this verse so that she could listen over and over again to it. This verse says, And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Our God of grace had called Christy to faith through the gospel. He called her to eternal glory. And the same God that did that for her made her a promise that her suffering would only last for a little while. There would come a time when her suffering and pain would cease, if not in this life, then in eternal glory with Jesus. And whatever that suffering had done to her, her, her God would himself restore her, make her strong, firm, and steadfast. And that's where she is today. God gives you the same promises and comforts. You have been called by, by the eternal gospel 
to eternal glory through that gospel. Any suffering that you will face will one day cease, if not in this life, then in the one to come, because your Savior will restore you, make you strong, firm, and steadfast. So in the meantime, dear Christians, humble yourself under God's mighty, delivering hand and cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Amen. Hi there, Pastor Wilkie here. Thanks for taking time this week to to be in the Word and to grow in your faith. We know that where the Word is preached, the Holy Spirit is working to strengthen and to create faith in the hearts of people. Uh, Because we know that's the case, uh, and if you enjoy these sermon podcasts, we'd we'd really love it if you'd share these with your friends. Uh, This is an easy way to evangelize and to get the Word into people's ears. And, And As a way of also doing that, could you hit like or subscribe wherever you are listening to this podcast? This is just a way that we are able to be seen by more people so that more people may hear this gospel message. We hope you'll join us next week as we dive into God's word yet again. God bless.